All right, welcome back to season three of the Parent Stuff Podcast. We were on summer break. We've had some other voices you've heard the last couple weeks in this feed, but now I'm excited to be back to help parents win today, filling in with this, with talking about what we're doing, how we're helping parents, and I've got a great new first-time guest on the podcast today, Jerry Franklin. Jerry, thanks for coming on. Hey, Evan, good to be with you. So we've heard a member of your family on this feed before, but not you. So tell us about you and your family, how old your kids are, and what you do. Thanks. Well, my name is Jerry Franklin. Uh, I'm a licensed professional counselor here in the state of Louisiana. LPC, you got some more letters. What are all your letters? Uh, M-A comma LPC. There we go. Right. Uh, I'm uh, married to my beautiful wife, Kendra, of uh, 21 years, and we have a 16-year-old daughter named Alexa. And that's who you might have heard on here. I think it was last season she came on. There's a God's Girls podcast. She's a fellow podcaster. That's right. Now you can say you're a podcaster as well. Exactly. <laughs> but it really was impressive talking to her and their cousin that did this podcast That's together. Right, That's right. That they started as teenagers trying to help girls talking about their faith. And it's really impressed mm-hmm. me what brought them on. And that kind of got you actually more involved with Simple Church and just kind of the way right. God works. You started coming around some more and you guys have been all in the past couple months. Absolutely. We've gotten involved with the youth and working with uh, Jonah there uh, with the uh, high school class. And uh, having a great time. That's right. You got to speak a couple weeks ago, fill in. I did. Great communicator. And that's a little hint on what we're talking about today. Absolutely. Because we're trying to help parents to communicate. That's what today's episode's all about. Jerry, you are a professional counselor at Simple Church. We are big believers in counseling. Mm -hmm. I feel like the maybe a little bit older than my generation, there's more of a stigma with counseling. Right. And there's more of a, almost like, well, I'm not crazy. I'm not bad. Why would I need counseling? I'm not doing something that's way out of line. I only do that if I'm in big trouble or serious addiction problems. But we, as a church, me personally, we are trying to help normalize counseling, to be able to talk with counseling. I personally go to counseling. Most of our staff goes to counseling. And I just really think it's something that helps everybody. Just wherever you are in life, it's something that can just be a tune-up, right? If you do the analogy with a car that you get your oil changed regularly, you can't do it one time before you get married and then think the oil change is good for the next 30 years. That's exactly right. And so you are here today, and we're going to talk about some tips for communication because parenting is kind of a almost like a... It's kind of a mislead, right? Because sometimes we think the issue is parenting, but it's really ourselves. (laughs) We always kind of struggle with our own selfishness, our own sin, if you will, its own different struggles. Mm -hmm. And as we get better as people individually, I think we get better as a couple, and then we get better as parents. And today, I just want to help maybe some parents listening to this to work on some things with their own communication. So you do marriage counseling. You talk with a lot of folks. That's right. Full up schedule, week in, week out, hundreds of hours of a year. What are some things that you see that are common? problems between couples, especially parents maybe, as they're trying to figure this out? The number one, it seems like you were just reading my notes. Hey, good. Uh, I didn't even plan that. Communication (laughs) is the key, and uh, actually I'd boil it down to be more specific into uh, conflict resolution. Hmm. Uh, When conflict emerges, it seems that many couples have challenges where they don't have uh, maybe some practice skills or they learn some habits that aren't helpful to uh, conflict resolution. Yeah, no, I definitely can think that, and I just think about my own life of, it seems like in most couples I talk to, there's one more dominant personality and one that's more laid back and quiet, Mm -hmm. and the dominant personality can run over them for a season, and then all of a sudden the more quiet, laid back person breaks or snaps, and it's the cycle that you see over and over again. Would you say that's something that you've noticed? Sure, I've seen things like that. I've seen where there's inequities in the relationship, Mm -hmm. and so... uh, they struggle sometimes with finding um, uh, the resources or having the capabilities to ask for help, mm-hmm. kind of like what you were alluding to a moment ago about uh, uh, maybe folks who struggle with going to counseling and asking for help. And once they get there, of course, then it's a matter of risking making change. Mm. Because the irony is that when people come in, it's almost as if they expect the, uh, their partner, who may or may not be present, to change when the (laughs) irony is I'm looking at them and asking, well, what are you willing to do to make a change? Right. And I bet you've seen, and I feel like I've noticed this with some of my friends is that they're the problem, not me. And I'm going to go fix them. I'll go to couples counseling, but I'm going to do it to fix the other person. Exactly. I'm I'm not wrong. I do everything right. And that's, that's exactly what I try to explain to them. I say, look, that's, let's get away from playing checkers if we can. Hmm. Right or wrong, good or bad. I mean, the law decides those things. And we generally know what's right or wrong or good or bad. But let's ratchet up our game a little bit. Let's, uh, how about let's play chess and let's play three-dimensional chess. Let's look at it uh, in terms of what's 
helpful, what I call the hub, what's helpful, what's useful, or what's beneficial. If we ask those kinds of questions, then I think we're going to come up with perhaps some novel solutions that can be helpful. That's good. So say that again. What is the hub? What's that acronym? What That acronym, I, that's why I put it that way, is just because I hope that people can remember yeah. what's helpful, what's useful, or what's beneficial. And so I know in my own life, I've been married, it'll be... Oh, gosh, I put it inside. It'll be 12. It's 12 years. It'll mm-hmm. be 13 years next year. Congratulations. Thank you. That's right. We're trying to figure it out. Two kids, a third on the way. Right. And I think that I have learned that when I'm tired, when I'm not at my best, I can be a little snipey. I can be a little mm-hmm. a little critical, a little uh, saying little things that are not helpful, that are not useful, that are not beneficial. And I'm trying, working on that continuously. If There's no reason to shoot those shots to have those little snipes and it's made things better that we really have working on it and I've been going to counseling for about three years and trying to be more positive and I feel like for me as a pastor Mallory has kind of said this before and voiced this sometimes in frustration that I'm more patient and more understanding with everybody else but then when I am at home that I'm more willing to go give grace and do stuff to other people but then when I get home and normally at the end of the day not my best and can be a little less patient can be a little more frustrated a little more edgy if you will and just trying to learn that about myself, having those conversations these last couple of years is something that is le- that hub acronym. Yeah, that's really astute, Evan. And I've had similar challenges in my own life. And so one of the things I've decided to do is I, I when I walk over the threshold of my home, like I get out of the vehicle, park the car in the garage, of course, get out of the vehicle, start to go into the house. It used to be maybe in some ways that when I would go into my room and change and get into my tank top and my flip-flops and my sweatpants. My mom calls them the grubbies. The grubbies. grubbies. Okay, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Loungewear. Yes. Um, and I'd go into there to change, then that would be the letdown. And what I call a letdown in this case is the opportunity then to relax almost to a fault, to slip into maybe some of those habits that aren't helpful, that aren't useful, that Mm. aren't beneficial. And so then I might then take for granted the very people perhaps I love more than anybody else on the planet, my wife, my child. And and then I got to thinking about that and I thought, well, what if I made the change? What if I decided that I didn't have that letdown until I laid my head down, Mm. until I go to sleep? Yeah. Then what that gave me the latitude and it kind of broadened my bandwidth, if you will. And so then I was able to, you know, talk to them with a little more patience. I wouldn't be as short, perhaps, or I I wouldn't be almost too relaxed, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. That I can almost get a pass because I know Mallory's going to love me unconditionally. So I don't have to treat her like I do other people. And that's not a good healthy habit. (laughs) I agree with you. And uh, I decided to do something similar. Yeah, no, that's great. That's super helpful. And I think if you're listening to this, you're already trying to be a better parent. Maybe you weren't thinking marriage advice. Maybe you weren't thinking relationship advice. But tying that into parenting, I think they overlap. That's very hard to separate and impossible. And I think that as a parent, trying to continue to grow and do those things, that's why you're listening to a podcast like this, and we appreciate it. And, Jerry, you as a counselor, you see a lot of stuff, but you also are uniquely qualified because you were a minister. You worked in a church setting, and so you've seen different stuff as a minister as well. So as you're going, as you've been a counselor now for how long? For 10 years. 10 years. So you've been a counselor, you've been a pastor, you've seen these different things. What are some things that are you've seen that maybe are good habits like you talked about there that are other things that you would give parents advice or couples that are going through stuff? What is just some more yeah. encouragement you would tell them? Well, the relationship obviously is peer-to-peer when we're talking about couples. Mm-hmm. So there's a shift when it's when we I think of parenting. I mean, I'm thinking of parent and child. Yeah. So then there's a power shift there, a power differential. So let's talk about that for a moment. When... In Quick story. When I was going to jail years ago, I would go up to CCC, Cato Correctional. You were not going into jail. I was going into jail. But you were not a convict. I was not being <laughs> apprented. Yes, I was not going You're in. You're visiting. I was visiting, and I'd go in on Wednesday mornings. Um, I'd spend about four hours there hmm. with uh, inmates that there were 60 of them in cell, uh, cell block G. Hmm. And so uh, nothing's chilling more than hearing iron doors shut behind you. For me, I was able to walk out when it was time, right. but many cannot do that. Hmm. So that's an interesting perspective. And to be in a room, in a round room with 60 men and one gentleman who happened to have a firearm on his hip, it was a bit startling at first. Yeah. But when I walked in there and I started talking, you know, I just found that people are people just like anybody else. In the process of discovering that, One gentleman one day asked me, he said, so 
my son is 15 years old. I'm in here. I don't want him to be in here. Hmm. What can I do? And quite frankly, I was not sarcastic at all when I said the simple, quick response I, was, I said was pray. Hmm. And here's why I said that. It can sound cold, but the opportunity was missed. And I don't mean it's too late for the 15-year-old, but the investment in the child is when the child is born. Hmm. And when the child has very little to give except for maybe some sort of uh, loving response. As they get older, they are more capable of doing that. But the investment needs to be when they're, you know, brand new born, six months old, a year old, three years old, eight years old, and so on. Like, as, it, as they get older, then you shifting and change. Like, think about it this way. God came from heaven to us through Jesus. To show us the way. To show us the way. <laughs> you know that song? We, absolutely. That's right. That's right. So we need to be able to meet our children at their level. Hmm. Don't expect us. I think a lot of times, and maybe this gentleman made the same mistake, and that is that now that uh, his son is becoming more adult-like, his son can communicate with him, right? More on an adult level. And the thought is, well, why would he want to do that now when all those previous 15 years he had learned to go to someone else for that information. Hmm. So he probably has cultivated other relationships, perhaps uh, on the street or with a teacher or a coach or somebody like that in the school system, yeah. which is really great, but it shouldn't replace the role a parent has and the opportunity a parent has to do effective parenting and shaping and molding of that child's life. The imprint that y the opportunity you, you have is tremendous, and it's a once-in-a-lifetime kind of opportunity. And so to me, when we cherish our children like that and we adore them, we, we come home, we look forward to connecting with them, that ought to be enough to keep us um, out of the bars, off the streets. You know, some of us are workaholics and we stay maybe mm. w at work too long. Maybe we need to reassess a little bit and say, you know what, I'm going to invest tonight in my five-year-old, my 10-year-old. I'm going to do my best with my 15-year-old. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take my 15-year-old daughter out on a date this Friday. Mm. I'm going to teach her how to man is to treat a woman. And maybe he didn't do that so well in a divorce situation, perhaps, maybe to the child's uh, mother. Hmm. So those are just some of the ideas that can kind of splinter off given a specific uh, circumstance with, uh, you know, each parent or each uh, couple. Yeah, no, that's great. And I think it's the saying is the best time to start was 10 years ago. The second best time is now. That yeah. Just because you've missed the chance, it doesn't mean you give up. Not at all. You still keep going at it. And so one thing that we as Simple Church do is called a family experience in a box. They're FX in a box. Wow. They're designed for kindergarten through fifth grade. Mm. And so it's something that's a free box. You get it. It's put together by the children's team. They do a great job. And it has a topic sheet for once a week. You sit down, and it has an activity to do with the kids. Mm -hmm. It's a spiritual conversation. It's got little, like, sticker verses. So ours are on the mirror in our house mm -hmm. to try to teach them a verse and talk, do it together as a family. And it's completely free. So it's thefx.tv. I'll put a link in the show notes. You can actually get them shipped. If you're out of state, you want to do it. But once a month, Christy and her team make those. And exactly what you're talking about is, as a youth pastor for 10, 15 years, that I would go, and they would come in crisis, right? Kids looking at porn. Of course. They got in a fight. They mm -hmm. were going to get suspended. They're acting out in a way at 10, 11, 12, 13 years old. Mm -hmm. And then you look back, and they, for the first <laughs> eight, 10 years of their life, there wasn't that development, or the mm -hmm. parent didn't really think, or they got out of control. And it's one of those things of the little deposits over time add up and are more more invaluable than we think. We Absolutely. write it off as small things that don't really matter praying together at night, reading something as a family, spending that quality time together. And it seems like it's not adding up to a lot. But over time, that huge investment pays off. And I just think about Jesus, that he used the idea of planting seeds a lot, right? Mm -hmm. That what a beautiful metaphor and idea that he was way ahead of his time because we think about how profound that is. Mm -hmm. You have to water it. You have to prune it. You have to go and over and over again work at it to get what you really want, the end result. And it's something that is not easy it's not quick and instant and especially my generation and younger we're not very good at being patient and trying to let things grow over time we want quick fixes we want instant things instant gratification and absolutely and as a parent listening to this i hope if you have younger kids that it's not just oh well this is something for parents of teenagers and doing or whatever that you can start doing these small things now and eventually they do add up yeah it's making memories right yeah and we're a selfie generation is coming up uh, and so my 16-year-old, she seems like she's got a camera in her face all the time, whether it, she's on the other side of the lens 
or of course she's looking at her phone. Yeah. And so uh, making the most of these opportunities with the kids and meeting them again on their level is what's critical. Absolutely. Do you know the Be Real app? Is she into that? Man, see, now uh, you're aging see, There we go. Bit. This is parents uh, need to stay up on these things. Yeah, my bad. Uh, that's all right. That's very trendy <laughs> in high school ministry, and I see the students at the office that work with us that it's the idea that wherever you are, once a day, this social media app is a closed network. You can only post a picture, mm-hmm. and it tells you you have five minutes to post your picture, and it only sends you a notification. You're supposed to do it right wherever you are. And the oh, idea yeah. is that you don't have to put on a filter. You don't try to set up and make your life seem better than it actually mm-hmm. is, that you be real. So the high school ministry is actually doing a series right now called Be Real and this idea of authenticity. And I think your daughter and my daughter's a little bit behind are starting to realize, okay, this is all kind of fake. It's highlight reels. It's things that aren't really what they seem. And what are we going to do about that? How are we going to work through that together? That's a great point. Uh, Recently, I discovered that fake videos Uh, are now being produced. Deep fakes? Mm -hmm. Oh, man, there's some unbelievable ones. Have you seen the Tom Cruise ones? Yes. Yes, it is wild. And another just crazy thing about that that I love this kind of stuff is there's a fight right now. Uh, James Dean family. So the state of James Dean, they wanted to make a movie and recreate him Mm -hmm. digitally and make it where he was the star. And they're fighting over, do you have the legal rights as the studio to use the footage to recreate a completely AI actor and do a movie and do this or not? And that's now. That's not mm-hmm. five, ten years from now. Mm-hmm. The world's changing a lot. It's hard mm-hmm. to keep up as a parent. But the principles, the truths are the same. That's right. And it's over time. It's been in that quality time, making memories, like you said, going on dates with your daughter, going and trying to find fun things to do is with your son. Uh, our elementary school is going to have a scavenger hunt, mother-son scavenger hunt they were just talking about. And what a great idea Absolutely. that you try to find something, a common interest to be in. Mm-hmm. And is the parenting side of that, I think for me sometimes – it's almost a little easier to do fun stuff with Nora and Eliza, my daughters, mm-hmm. and then trying to reconnect with Mallory because there's chores to do. We feel pressure. Whenever the kids go to sleep, there's always something else. There's always a task. So we're actually getting away this weekend. We're trying to go call it Baby Moon. It's Mallory's thing. That That's our last trip before baby number three comes. Right on. Trying to connect together as a couple. And for you, I think I bet you would say that you've noticed the same thing, that most couples, they get busy doing life, they get busy parenting, and they stop connecting with each other. Would you say that's something Absolutely. you've noticed? Absolutely. Evan, one of the – if there's a standard encouragement that I give, it is for couples to make 20 to 30 minutes a day hmm. uh, talking to each other, connecting with each other, practicing their listening skills. I find that oftentimes active listening is a lost art. That, uh, and what that means is, of course, that I'm looking, making eye contact, looking at you eye to eye, nodding, giving the occasional mm-hmm, like I understand. I'm giving feedback to let you know that I'm tracking with you. Not face down in the phone. <laughs> Not face down in the phone. That's right. And so to be able to do that, and the idea would be to talk about the day, to, especially for us, uh, for Kendra and me, it's about 9.30 at night after our daughter retires and goes to her room and finishes homework or goes to bed. Uh, that gives us up to an hour or so before we go to bed to uh, really have a conversation. And In fact, recently I was in my phone, as you were just <laughs> describing, and then I felt, you know, sometimes you feel somebody staring at you or looking at you. And of course, catty corner to where I'm sitting on the sofas, there my wife is sitting looking at me, just staring at me, waiting. Seeing if you notice. That's exactly right. And so then, of course, I no- quickly put my phone down and said, okay, what's going on? And, um, and listen, the other side of that, too, is my wife is a great storyteller, and she's really funny. Not everybody has to be that. But if what we can do in, the, in, the, in communicating with each other is if we can tell the story or talk about the day in a way that's interesting— Meaning that complaints are okay, but if it's a time of always complaining, what are we gonna? Be, what's the last thing we want to do in the day? Would be to listen to our spouse just vent or complain. Hmm. So the idea would be also to just report. I would argue report on the day, especially if maybe it's a traditional household, and I don't mean to offend anybody, but maybe mom got home faster than dad did or whatever, and she got the skinny from the kids and then relayed that to dad who gave me later. Many times it's vice versa. Sure. So I don't mean to be sexist in any way about that. And so as, as you're sharing information with each other about your day, it also can include what's going on with the kids to stay updated. That's why it's critical uh, what I find a lot of times is uh, the men, w- I'll pick on men since sure, we're men. Sure, absolutely. And uh, they, they kind of give the naha, but they're passively listening at best. Mm. And they're not really engaged. And my argument would be 
if that gentleman had a customer sitting across from him, would he treat that customer the same way? And probably not, especially if he's taken an order and he misses something on the order. Why is it critical? Because he wants to earn money for his family. It's all noble. But again, making sure we don't have that letdown before we go to bed or yeah. before we go to sleep, you know, is really important so that we can stay on point and really connect with our spouses. No, that's great. And I definitely think all of us men can do better in a mm. lot of ways Amen. in trying to be better. And if you're a dad <laughs> listening to us, thank you, because the majority of the women is women. Right. The majority of the audience, sorry, <laughs> is women. And it's something that I feel like they sometimes are working on the relationship. They're more willing to, again, stereotypes, not always true, but that's the right. women will kind of drag the men into counseling. will drag them into listening to some resource to try to be a better parent. And the dads are more resistant. Yeah. And if I can comment on that for a moment, what I find uh, is that the wives will often hold their breath, hold their breath, hold their breath. And what that means is they're praying behind the scenes. They're waiting and hoping for their husband to uh, rise to the prompting, Mm. Um, kind of get the hint that we need some help. And even sometimes overtly just say, we need to go to counseling. And he's going to say, no, 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 no. Well, then something snaps. What I find, again, there's always exceptions to the rule. And this isn't even a rule. But I just say that I find that a lot of times her heart stays soft, stays soft. She's hopeful. She stays soft. And he's nodding and giving lip service, but nothing is different is happening. Hmm. And so then she runs out of gas. She loses hope. And if you think about that spiritually, that has that's problematic for us, too, where we see sometimes people who struggle in their faith and they lose hope. Hmm. One of the beacons that I try to announce is I try to be a beacon of hope. And so in this case, when she loses hope, she's done or she's uh, changing bank accounts Hmm. or she is preparing to leave or whatnot. That's when he sets up and says, "Okay, okay, we'll go to counseling. We'll go. And then the problem is when she shut the door, oftentimes she has shut the door, meaning she's not open any longer. Hmm. She is done. And and maybe she's running to the courthouse to file. Yeah. And so. What we want to do is try to, that's why we've got to pay attention on a daily basis. Right. And we've got to keep this from blowing up and, and not taking our spouses for granted and meeting our spouses where they need to be met. Those kinds of things can, so that we can build uh, that connection that makes it stronger than any temptation might be to destroy the marriage. Yeah. So one thing Justin says in premarital counseling that we've all kind of picked up and recommend is you try to date your wife weekly, That's retreat right. monthly, and then try the vacation yearly. That's great. That you try to go and do something. And for us in the phase of life, we can't get a babysitter. We do that. And we really have actually our counselor said something similar. You said a little while ago to connect at the end of the day. So for mm-hmm. us, kids are in bed a little earlier, about eight, eight thirty. Mm-hmm. And so we try to sit on the couch. We put our phones down, we connect, and then we normally watch something together. And so sometimes it's no phone. We try to do that. Uh, the joke on the internet is that watching a movie without looking at your phone is the new reading a novel that you go through and try to make it through something, but we try to find something together, try to find and spend that time together, but it's those small deposits. It's the same principle for kids as it is with your marriage and your relationship. And so tell me if anecdotally you feel like this is true. This is kind of the path that we've had some people now that were in our life groups that have gotten divorced. We've had some people that we know that are a little bit older that look back and here's what I see. See if you agree. They get married, they get married quick, there's a honeymoon phase, they realize that maybe there's some conflict, they don't really resolve it, what's going to fix it? We'll have a kid. Then they get have a kid that's going to enter that new phase of life, they might have a second kid, they think this is going to fix it, and then they realize they can just get their heads down, they can coexist, become more of a roommate, all of a sudden they're looking for attention and affection other places because they don't feel like they're getting it at home, and either they split then, or they go and raise the kids, and they look up, and all of a sudden they don't like each other for the last 15, 20 years, and they just kind of a loveless marriage that they're still there. Mm-hmm. And that's not what we want for you listening. That's not what I want. That's not what I'm sure you don't want. Mm-hmm. So is that something that you would say that you kind of notice and seems like a pattern that happens a lot? Sure, Evan. There's variations of that, of sure. course. But, yeah, absolutely, that uh, what some might call a marriage of convenience mm. emerges as they start to take divergent paths. Uh, they start to separate a little bit emotionally, mentally, uh, even physically. And in the thing say that basically your personality reinvents itself every seven years. I think I've heard something mm. like that. I don't know mm. if you've studied or looking at anything like that. That that seven year itch, and you kind of get those phases where sure. you're changing and adapting as you go. Yeah, I think the challenge too is to keep it fresh, right? In the beginning, it's fresh and new. Um, you know, the honeymoon phase, so to speak. But then, then we go into a phase perhaps that gets to be routine mm. and predictable. 
And there's nothing wrong with that. I think uh, there's a measure of comfort with that, security, stability, uh, things like that. But dare I say that sometimes in, that, in the course of that, maybe at that seven-year point, a couple might experience then going from transitioning from routine to perhaps boring or stale. Hmm. And so we want to resist that. Or when we start, that's when perhaps then a complaint is lodged mm-hmm. uh, by one of the, of the couples. And uh, so then uh, uh, one of the partners in the couple. Yeah. And so when that occurs, then it's clear at that point that something needs to be done. There needs to be an intervention. There needs to be that 3,000-mile oil change, so to speak, like yeah. to go in. Because you're looking at the dashboard. That's you see that that light starts flashing. There's little right. things, and you notice that it's time to be 15%, 10%, 5%. But we try to ignore it. We try to stretch it out and see how long we can go. And, well, it'll get better in the next season. It'll get better. We'll, we'll just figure it out. After kid number two, well, then you go and you keep pushing and eventually you broke down on the side of the road. Absolutely. That's a great metaphor. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So I, I, I think those that if they care enough to struggle, then they may as well take the risk and unlearn Mm -hmm. some poor habits. And that's where counseling comes into play. Come come in. We'll talk about it. We'll look at what not just is uh, perhaps the symptoms of the problem, but the root of the problem. And that's particularly what I hone into. I want to focus on what the problem is so then we can come up with different solutions. Uh, I also want to know what attempted solutions have been uh, tried in mm-hmm. the past if they think that they've accurately diagnosed the problem. Because a lot of times they treat the symptoms of the problem, sometimes with medication. Mm-hmm. And w- now what they're doing is they've created now a scenario where the solution has become the problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes, in other words, if they're medicating with uh, some sort of... Uh, uh, maybe an illegal drug, perhaps, or uh, they're abusing alcohol. Mm-hmm. Alcohol is legal, of coping, course, for adults, yeah. but they're coping with it in a way that now uh, there's a leak, perhaps, almost as if in some ways they're having an affair. And we don't think of it that way, right? But it's, the problem's not being addressed, and so now that energy is being divergent toward, you know, I, I've got to get home so I can get that drink. I'm looking forward to relaxing. And that becomes almost... It's a God unto itself, Wine right? o'clock, yeah. Yeah, wine o'clock. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I was talking to Blake. He's our middle school pastor, and he's mm-hmm. lived in Hawaii. His family's still there, and they have a mongoose problem in Hawaii. I can't remember why we got brought up, but the idea was that they brought them in to help get rid of another rodent, another pest, and they overpopulate, and there's no predator, right? And then I think about my kids. It's the little old lady that swallowed a spider that she keeps swallowing these other things to swallow the cat, to swallow the dog, and it keeps (laughs) going. But we laugh, and we know that as in head knowledge, but we think, okay, well, if I can just get through the day, I'll drink, I'll have a couple drinks, and then it'll fix this, and I can get by and get to tomorrow. That's right. And that thing that was becoming a cure, you thought, is the problem itself. I think that cascades and can definitely build, and that's where a lot of people get in trouble. Yeah, for sure. It's unfortunate. They say in AA that the opposite of addiction is connection. And so, again, the anecdote is to call a counselor, call a a marriage and family therapist, go in somewhere, and the three of you talk about perhaps bad habits that have been formed or habits that can, you know, through maybe a little bit of moderation or modification can be be changed so that they can create a more of a or a stronger connection. If that can be done, how many marriages can be saved? How many lives can uh, avoid destruction? Hmm. Uh, especially with the kids, they're always the victims in circumstances like this. Yeah, absolutely. So just anecdotally putting you on the spot, top of your head, would you say the majority of the people you see are in a crisis, they're already in trouble, or it's preventative and they're just wanting to meet with you? Oh, vastly. Crisis may be a little overstated. Sure, sure, in their mind. But there's a problem uh, that they can't solve. And so most of the time it's, uh, well, 98% of the time. Had recently, in the last 24 hours, a couple reach out for premarital counseling. Okay, that's fantastic. I wish I had more of that. Mm. So we could talk about it in advance. And that doesn't mean to say that uh, it's going to bring on a problem. It means to say that we can be watching out for one. Maybe kind of like preventative medicine, as it were. You know, hospitals, we don't typically go to the hospital uh, unless we're really bad sick. Oh, that's poor. (laughs) <laughs> but I mean, but I mean, in other words, if we got to go into the ER, we know that there's a real problem that needs urgent care, perhaps, or we go now to urgent care facilities, right? Right. Um, 
we don't really do that a lot for emotionally and mentally uh, in counseling, except that what we're trying to do now is say, yes, please come do that. Please reach out before it gets to a stage five cancer situation where we're virtually calling hospice. Hmm. Uh, and, of course, or people resorting to divorce because they've, been ex- they've exasperated each other, and then they almost don't have the energy to fight for the marriage. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I, we joke with our counselor. So I saw him individually. Then Mallory and I have gone together and seen him, and he's <laughs> he's really kind of nice. He's like, you know, it's actually kind of refreshing to talk to y'all when there's not, like, really bad stuff going on. Yes. And we try to see him about every six to eight weeks, and mm-hmm. the church actually provides that. They will help cover counseling for people in the church and staff. It's a gift to us. That's and, right. man, we've really just benefited just talking and having a place to go. And we're not in major crisis, and I think that is rare, and that's what he says is most of the time you're already at that stage three or four, mm-hmm. and things aren't good, and it's that crisis. But premarital counseling is something that if you get married at Simple Church, we requi- require. I'm doing a premarital Fantastic. counseling next week for October wedding some friends of ours that were getting married and so i really do believe the value of that one thing i'm going to put a link in the show notes is the five love languages mm-hmm. every premarital council we go through that and it's just tips and tools to help you mm-hmm. as a young couple to try to get married and be able to do that so i think that is a great piece of advice but let's go let's have a couple hypothetical scenarios of what you would say you're a professional counselor someone mm-hmm. shows up in your office we would highly recommend you go see jerry we're going to put your information to reach out to you in the show notes today so if you want to get a counselor you like what jerry's saying we'd love for you to get connected and appreciate your time to come do this jerry but let's have a couple stages of scenario what would you say somebody walks in your office and they've been married let's just say seven years they have one or two kids Mm -hmm. and their wife is just kind of frustrated with how the husband's not listening so just in general what would be something you say we kind of hit on some stuff already the hub thing i think is great Mm -hmm. but anything else you think of in that scenario where they're not getting divorced they're not ready to leave they're not doing the separate bank account but they're just not feeling like where they want to be right now well, if she's lodged that complaint yeah. in uh, the session, uh, then I'm going to look to him, and I want to hear what, how he responds. If he responds in a way that he looks like he doesn't know what she's talking about, then I'm probably going to look to her and ask her, can you describe a scenario? Or can you, in asking her, I'm going to ask her if she, um, if she could be more specific about how it is when he's not listening to her. Uh, you know, tell me a real-life scenario where that's been the case. It's probably going to be something that if he's there, he might be there reluctantly, (laughs) and he's not. He doesn't. Listen, I've got to earn that trust, okay? Mm -hmm. I I believe grace and mercy are given, but trust is earned. And so I expect to have to earn that trust. And so that's why, again, these are layers of complication, hurdles that have to be overcome over time for this to be effective. And if he's going to be resistant— it's my job in part to make the environment as calm as possible so that we can get to the root of the problem. If I can't earn that quickly enough and he decides that he doesn't want to come ba- back, then we c- there's still hope, meaning that I will try to leverage the system. B- basically, the couple is a system. I'll try to leverage that through her so that we can get meaningful changes. Hmm. Uh, and that can, it can happen. So I just want to you know, sow some seeds of hope out there that don't give up just because you might have a spouse that uh, doesn't believe in counseling and doesn't want to do anything further or doesn't believe that they need help. Hmm. Uh, there's still hope to make yeah. those kinds of changes. And could you just speak to that man, maybe if his wife sent him this podcast and kind of elbow nudged him if he doesn't want to go and they, she thinks they should, what would you say to that guy? Well, I would, I would encourage him to listen to her hmm. because the way we really know who we are is in the context of another human. And, of course, there's no one better to be to see the reflection in the mirror than with our spouse, okay? And so um, I would encourage him to, you know, sit up straight, to listen, and, it, you know, maybe they don't need to come in, meaning that if he'll make some changes and really listen to her, uh, then they can make the changes on their own. You know what? I'm, I tell people from time to time, listen, I'm not David Copperfield. <laughs> you know, we're not in Vegas. That's right. Okay. And so, but understand that you've had seven years to build these habits. It's going to take some time. So I try to frame it such that this isn't a get rich quick scheme. Mm. There's not, there's not, this isn't going to be s- instant gratification. Yeah. I think I've had two one session uh, situations over 10 years where I've actually, the person, I received feedback that that was a helpful session, that we got those problems solved, and we're good to go. I mean, it just doesn't, 
I'm not going to say it never happens, but it, it's, it takes work. It's not a lifetime oil change. Go be, right. Just keep thinking that. Every guy that you know that, you realize that. That's that right. You can't just go and get it fixed one time, right? right. So that's one scenario. That's great. Right. I think that's really good. And, again, if you were looking to a counselor, recommend Jerry. We've got some other great ones on staff. Right. We'd love for you to help. Well, not on staff, but we refer with the staff to do that. Absolutely. So let's go to the next area. Let's go this couple 15 years down the road. Okay. Seven years she thought they should go to counseling. They yeah. didn't. He didn't listen, and now she's ready to leave. So what would you say to that wife or that husband where she files the papers, she's going to do it, she's really ready and done? Is there something different you would say specifically to them right now in that phase where they're at? Yeah, I have a question. And the question is, what makes you think divorce will solve your problems? Mm. The chances are that each of us are we're attracted to the person we end up marrying. And think about that for a moment. If you're attracted to that person, there's going to be certain aspects of the other person that attracted you to that person. If in that system, unless, now listen, the caveats are abuse or neglect. Sure, right? absolutely. Extremes. But I'm talking about that middle 68%. And so if absent of any abuse or neglect, and there's some effort on the part of each of them to continue to maintain their position in this feedback loop, mm. okay, um, then we want to perturb that. We want to upset that a little bit so that the change can be as swift as possible but certainly as effective as possible. And it's, there's layers to that. I mean, it's not just one size fits all, but, but in concept there is, and that is that we want to uh, – I would ask her, for example, if she's ready to file, you know, then what can we do to change her mind? Mm. Uh, how much – the reason I think we pray, Evan, at least this has occurred to me in recent years, we pray so that we can ask God how he might use us to solve the problem hmm. rather than limit that and say, God, fix that person. Fix my husband. <laughs> okay? It may be true that he needs fixing, but where's the humility when we go before the throne of God and we ask God, use me, to keep thy will be done. Thy will be done. That's right. Use me in a way that is pleasing. So the overarching goal that I have for these couples, and you might say, well, that's imposed. Well, we still want MSBs. We still want mutually satisfying behaviors. Mm. Okay? And so, again, as in this feedback loop, we want this thing to keep working in a manner that is mutually satisfying. Andy Stanley says it's a mutual submission contest. Okay. Marriage is this idea that it. you try to outserve each other, yeah. and when you do that, you both get your needs met. That's right. And so, for example, in my situation, I, I have the habit now since I'm not, you know, when I hit the threshold, that's not when I'm having the letdown. It's when I go to sleep. And one of the contingencies on that is that I don't sit down until my wife does. Now, when I walk in late in the evening now, it may be she's already sitting down. Sure. But she's, if she's prepared supper for our daughter and herself and me, and some of it's still on the stove, then I'm not going to make myself a plate, eat a plate, throw my dishes in the dishwasher, and go sit down. I'm not doing that. Hmm. And I think I, I would bet that if you're listening to this and you're a guy, that maybe doesn't even occur to you that that might be offensive or wrong. You're just it, coming in, you're tired after a hard day work, and you just want to go and eat. And let me say that my wife is very generous, and so she wouldn't be offended it might over time wear on her because it shows that my lack of interest in seeing that she's relaxing. Hmm. And why would I expect her to get up when I come in and that's what I do? And I just start slinging food and then slinging dishes in the sink and all. And then I sit and watch that die on the stove or whatnot. Only it's not going to be left. You know what she's going to do? She's going to clean it up after me. And she's so gracious to me that it's going to be fine. Occasionally, but, over time, but, right? When the habits. That's right. Over time, that it can erode what good we have. And don't think that Satan can't establish a foothold there because mm -hmm. he can. So what I've made a commitment to doing is I just clean it up. And, you know, then I make a game out of loading the dishwasher. <laughs> and if I have to unload it, that's fine, too. I say have to because I choose to. And that's another point I try to make. None of this. We make choices. Right. Nobody. I'm not. I don't have to do anything, but I choose to do certain things because I want to think I'm empowered by God mm. to to I'm equipped to do the things I need to do, to be responsible, to take care of business. And so when I come home, then part of doing that is is taking care of the business at home. My wife, 
She works hard like I do. She makes more money than I do. Like, <laughs> I mean, let's let's keep it real. Yeah. I mean, so I'm going to be a partner. I'm going to take my rightful place as a partner in this relationship. And I'm not trying to break my arm to pat myself on the back here. No, I messed yeah. it up. I had a six-and-a-half-year marriage that died, and I had an eight-month marriage that died. Hmm. Okay? This one's 21 years. I'm not proud of that on my record, but I can tell you that, yeah, I came from the dead almost literally because at the end of the first one, I was suicidal. Hmm. I don't want to see anybody go there. Nobody has to be there. But if we, like I was asleep at the wheel is probably one way of saying it. Hmm. And so then I was not in uh, taking care of business as I should have. And I was doing many things wrong and not enough things right. If I want to boil it down to playing checkers. Yeah. I, there's, it didn't even occur to me to think about what's helpful. I was so selfish-minded at that time in my life. But now it's I want to help. As long as I can keep moving, I'm 55 now, and so I'm not moving as quickly mm-hmm. <laughs> as I did when I was 25 or 35. And so as I'm beginning, as I'm declining, and I know, I, hey, there's plenty of y'all out there that can say you're still young. I accept that. But if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably <laughs> right in that middle phase, and I'm 35 and I feel like I'm declining. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But if we don't keep moving, the implication is we're not. Mm-hmm. And what happens there? We're in a, bask- I'm in a, in a coffin. Or we're in an urn. Yeah. So why don't we live life? Why don't we choose to live? And we realize, and there's no two way, There's only two ways about it. Either I do the dishes or somebody in the household does the dishes, or I pay somebody to do the dishes. And that sounds, you know, extravagant, but maybe you're employing a person or two, somebody mow the yard, somebody to come in and clean the house. That's fine. There's no problem there. But again, I'm not going to do this at the detriment of my family financially or certainly uh, when I have an opportunity to connect with my wife, I'm going to hurry up and get this done so that I can sit down with her. And we can have our 20 to 30 minutes together. No, that's great. And thank you for being vulnerable and talking about the two divorces that you have been through. And this last category, and we'll wrap up, I think, is for the person who has been divorced. Either they're a single parent right now. Maybe right. they're trying to co-parent right. with someone that's not in the house. Or maybe they've gotten remarried and now there's conflict with stepkids, all this different stuff. Is there something you would say to that specific couple of, if you've been through a divorce, is there something you would say that was specifically to help them today? It's, that's a tough answer, Evan. Mm, sure. uh, turning to God can seem trite, and I don't want to be like the priest passing the man right before the Good Samaritan, be warm and well-fed. I'm, I'm not echoing that sentiment, so, and I know I just said it, but here's what I mean by that is that it can be a long and lonely road, mm. even when we're just talking about hours and days and weeks and months. And so I would invite you to, I remember one night, let me say it this way, uh, I'm in a 500-square-foot 500 uh, 500 apartment, uh, I had a Murphy bed, I was starting my life over after the, first, uh, the second, uh, first divorce, and I was just crying out to God to hug me. Hmm. There's being alone when you want to be, you can carve out time, but being alone when you don't want to be, it's... It's a version of hell on this side of heaven and hell that is really difficult. And for people that don't know what that's like, when you, when you want some space, Evan, you can retire to a corner in your house or whatnot. Your family, because you've probably invested in them and mm-hmm. you've invested time, you can ask for half an hour here or an hour there. You can, you can even go play golf, do some things like that. But being alone when you don't want to be you can't manufacture that kind of connection. I mean, prostitution may be the oldest <laughs> profession out there, right? But that's not what even I'm talking about. I'm talking about real connection, heart to heart. You can't buy that. It takes time to invest in it. So this is the preventative measure as to helping to avoid the divorce. But once the divorce has occurred, that's when I would encourage you to plug into a small group at, at, your, at a church Uh, if you can connect with some of your friends. See, the hardest part about this is that goes untold is let's say you're you're 35 or 40 and you're going through a divorce and you're divorced. Now you're if you're if your kids are grown and out of the house and you're single again, where do you go? Hmm. I mean, you 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 go to church late and you leave early because you don't want somebody to ask. And now you kind of in some ways you have leprosy. 
right? Because people don't know how to relate to you. Yeah. Or if you're on the prowl, you're the single again person, and then all the married couples are they're kind of scared. They won't say it out loud. Dare I say things I shouldn't say. But they ne- don't necessarily invite you over because you might prey on their spouse. Hmm. Okay, so there's a fear. Now, sometimes we see, though, that some of these that have gone through divorces or are going through divorces, that people come together because that's what they're experiencing in this season so then they can come together to support each other. And that's, that's fantastic. But we don't really have enough pastors hmm. to go around uh, if there's not a small group that a divorcee can plug into. Yeah. So this is the part about where when we see the opportunity to put in a good word for Jesus, like let's be Jesus to these people, hmm. the people that are struggling who don't have this kind of intimate human connection that we have in marriage. And so when we can cultivate those things, uh, we can keep it real with them. We can minister to them and really be the Samaritan to them. Yeah. All right. And help them along the way. There need to be some boundaries. There sure. need to, you know, there needs to be ways to protect the most important relationships that have, first of all, the relationship that each of us have with God. And then secondly, in human terms, the spouses that we have. And of course, then the re- everybody else is either children or friends or whatnot and distant family or distant friends. And so then there are seasons of those. I've had people come and go in my life, you know, that are just friends, for example. And some of them hurt for different reasons and some don't. And I encourage them or I do what I can as we go. Let's try to leave a legacy of communication such that it speaks for Jesus. They, we leave them feeling better that they have known us, and hopefully they see Jesus in us. Hmm. That's a great way to say it. That is very well said. I just think for, again, having done this now, been married as long as I am being 35, we've had friends that have gotten divorced, and sure. it's not ever something you really see coming and you never know what's behind the scenes and they've been people in our life group that do it and it's those small choices over time it's the habits it's the things that happen and then it is tough to go and again they're in a different phase of life now or they're trying to go and Mm -hmm. but if you are that person if you've been divorced if you've gone through this you just want you to know that at simple church we say it's okay to not be okay but it's not okay to stay there amen we want you to be here you're not uh, excommunicated we're not going to shame you not going to do that and I just want you to know that we as a church want to be here for you, that we want to have you to feel like you can come and be welcomed. And again, some of the ways we do things where it's kind of dark, you can walk in the room and be anonymous if you want to, but it's not okay to stay there, that we want you to take that step to go and to find a life group. It's what we call small groups here at Simple Church. I'll put a link in the show notes. They just started up for the fall, and I know there's divorce life groups. I know there's singles life groups. And so if that's the phase you're at, you're trying to figure that out, we would love for you to plug in and, like Derry's saying, to be able to have a community again because it does change, I'm sure, that when you've gone through that divorce, it's not the same. Friend groups is not the same people anymore. Exactly. It's awkward for everyone. Yeah. Uh, and especially for those who've gone through it. Di- usually, I, I don't know what the numbers are, but – to go through a divorce, hopefully one is enough, mm-hmm. and uh, or of course it's more than enough, meaning that it hopefully shouldn't happen in the first place, but they do. You know, God allowed the decree that Moshe, Moses issued, and so uh, because the people's hearts were hard, the yeah. scripture tells us, right? And so how do we prevent hard-heartedness? Mm. And that's the part where I was talking about earlier, going back to that scenario about the wives hanging on, hanging on, hanging on, slowly and slowly their moist hearts get hard. And that's what the guys, the husbands miss out on. They're not seeing the hardness that's developing. Incremental, small. It's incremental. Yeah. That's right. And so when they miss that, those opportunities, of course, it's just a shame. And, and that's the part where we want to do the preventative things as we can. That's where the marriage maintenance comes into play. Uh, that's where uh, if, you, if you need to come in for a pit stop, I mean, there's nothing to come in for three to five sessions over a month or so and then talk about things, especially if there's a specific problem. If there's a specific, obvious communication problem that's reoccurring, a trend has developed and you're stuck, seek help. Yeah. Seek help. And I'll just pick on the guys again, too. I think about, like, playing golf. If you have a slice or a hook, <laughs> you're going to watch videos about it. 100%. You're going to go try to figure it out. You're going to go try to solve the problem. <laughs> and that's what counseling can be is that you Absolutely. talk to somebody else that's a little bit down the road, that knows a little bit more, that has spent time studying that, and they want to help you to fix your slice or your hook in your marriage. 
That's a great way to put it. There we go. Boom. Thanks, thank Evan. you. Oh, that's right. Well, thank you for listening. Well, one last thing. I just uh, put you on the spot. I don't know yeah. if you thought about this, but if there is books, resources, a podcast, something that you recommend, if they're looking, if they want to do some maintenance, if there's things that they do as a counselor, do you have any specific things that you would say to work on your marriage that they could do? And mm-hmm. obviously, again, want to promote counseling, and we'll let you put your sure. website. is the best way to contact you, and we'll say that that's for, right. if you're looking to be a counselor. But Let's do that first. So if you want to get in touch with Jerry, you're looking for a counselor. Jerry, how do they get in touch with you? You can either call me at 318-480-4051, or you can go to my website and fill out an appointment request at jerryfranklincounseling.com. Absolutely. The books. Uh, I love Michelle Weiner Davis's work. She's out of Not Boulder, Colorado. Her. Okay. She has written books called uh, Divorce Busting, uh, The Divorce Remedy, uh, The Sex-Starved Marriage. Mm. I mean, these are worthwhile to take a look at for sure. I mean, uh, there's scenario after scenario. She, she articulates in plain English where we can all get it, digest it, understand it. She's fantastic. Uh, I like Henry Cloud's work on boundaries, necessary endings. Uh, there's, uh, he's got, those are really good works. I also like Gottman's work. Gottman, one of, he talks about the four horsemen, criticism and contempt Defensiveness and stonewalling. Hmm. Those are, uh, with some sort of, I think, 93% predictability, he can predict whether a, a, a couple's going to make it or not if there's uh, these markers present. And so those are things to think about. Contempt, stonewalling, criticism, and defensiveness. Uh, those are good. So Gottman.com is a good resource. Uh, Brad Keeney, Dr. Keeney, uh, wrote a book called Aesthetics of Change. Again, I want to remind you that the change is going to probably occur if you're the person citing the problem, you're the chief complainant, it's probably going to be <laughs> it's going to be most helpful if you make the change. If you're the one that's aware. If even if you're t- dragging a spouse into counseling, if it's unlikely they're going to make a change, think about it for a minute. If you've been maintaining this feedback loop and you make the slightest change, a meaningful change I should say, consistently, then you're going to start a new feedback loop. Hmm. Now, not just any change, but a meaningful change. Yeah. Then it's going to change a response over time. And, you know, I don't know if it's 10 days, 20, 30, 40. Sure. It's going to take a while. But this is one of the ways where there's some hope if you are the prime mover in the relationship and you have a spouse that, you know, is passive. Yeah. So what do they say? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. That's right. So if you're ready to make a change, if you're looking for that, I think those are some great resources. If you're driving or mowing the grass or whatever, I'm putting it in the show notes. Click on this episode. We'll put links to all those books. I've got not read any of those, so I'm going to check in and look at some of that. I appreciate your time, Jerry. Thank you for coming and being able to talk with us today, helping some parents out. And thank you, parent, for listening. Thank you for wanting to work on yourself and keep getting better. We appreciate your time. There's a lot of other things you could listen to. We hope this is a blessing to you and your family. Help you and work on that oil change. Jerry, thanks for coming. Thanks, Evan. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to Parent Stuff. Get this feed. We'll have some other shows mixed in now with it, but Parent Stuff will continue to come out here, and we appreciate you listening. Give it a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. That helps other people to find it, makes it easier to search for it, and we wanted to say thanks again, and have a great week. <laughs>